My name is Nick Adams. For those of you who don't know me, um, y'all sounded good. I could actually hear y'all singing. Uh, it's a cool thing when everybody comes together and you're all in harmony and singing. And uh, it, it even gets me caught up in the spirit of worship. Um, so thank y'all. Um, we're going to keep right on worshiping uh, in the Word. Um, before I get into the message, I just I want to ask you one question. How many of you think you're pretty good? How many of you say you're a pretty good person? Everybody thinks you're pretty good? Majority of y'all, I'm a pretty good person. I don't, I don't do nothing wrong, too wrong, you know. Better than Hitler, maybe, you know. All right. Just remember you said that now, all right? All right. Hang on. Hang on to that. Did they put that up there by the time I got done? I was hoping they would because uh, I wanted your honest answer, honest opinion of yourself, all right? And today we're going to talk about what is good. What does that mean? Where does it come from? Preaching out the same message Bobby preached past two services. Uh, y'all remember what Miss Trudy did with the children, right? Holding on, you can't hold on to a bubble because it can't hold on to flyers. You hold on to stuff too tightly. Keep that in mind too, all right? Before we get into it, I want to pray, all right? God, thank you for this day, for the ability to come together and worship and celebrate you uh, and uh, you just being in our lives, dear Lord, be in our lives. Um, Dear Lord, I just pray that whatever we're hanging on to, dear Lord, just from this week, dear Lord, whatever we're holding on to, whatever's weighing us down, whatever burdens we're carrying, dear Lord, we'll just lay them down right here and right now. We'll just open our hearts and eyes and ears and minds, dear Lord, to whatever you have to say. Help us to experience you, dear Lord, in a real way that that changes us, dear Lord, that disturbs us, that that makes us take a step in your direction. Dear Lord, please get me out of the way and say whatever you want to say. Help me to have the faith to, to step into it. I love you. Amen. All right. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're in Matthew chapter 19, 16 through 26. If you don't have your Bible, there's a Bible up under the seat somewhere, and I believe it's page 874. Um, those Bibles are CSB. Bobby normally reads out of CSB. As you can see on the screen, if you don't want to do either one of those two things, you can read it off the screen. Um, I read out a New Living Translation. It'll be up there shortly. Don't worry. It's on this screen right here that I'm looking at. So, uh, I read out New Living Translation majority of the time. Uh, I read all translations, but uh, I read and preach out of New Living Translation because for me it's the simplest to understand. It's, and uh, I could preach a whole sermon about translations and word for word and thought for thought, and we could have a debate on which one you think is more right or less right. That's not the whole point of it. The whole point of it is to be in relationship with God, right? So if you can't understand what you're reading, then you probably ain't going to pick it up and read it a whole lot, right? Okay. Um, Just to get that out of the way. So majority of you think you're pretty good. I even think I'm pretty good sometimes. Just human nature, I guess. Um, Well, we're talking about the rich young ruler today. He's a fellow back in Jesus' time, thought he was pretty good. 
I'm going to read all of it, and then we're going to go through and talk about it, all right? So let's read it. Matthew 19, 16 through 26 starts with, Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with everything, but with God, everything is possible. How many of you heard that story before? Pretty well-known story in the Bible if you been in church or read your Bible. I want to ask one thing today. Please don't write this story off as you've heard it before. Because, or you've, you know what I'm going to say. Because if you don't get anything today, please get that until you experience the real Jesus and He disturbs you and He impacts your life, there is no amount of good, there's no amount of church, there's no amount of anything you can do that's going to change your life. And I bet each and every person in this room has something in their life that they wish they could change. So don't miss it. So, Matthew, so the Gospels, everybody knows the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? They're all the same story told by four different people. It's like four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John writing a journal about what people experienced when Jesus was here and what they experienced. So if, I, if four people tell the same story, everybody's going to tell it a little bit different. So we know John is, is separate from the synoptic Gospels, I believe that's how you say it, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're kind of in uh, tell the same stories uh, and John has a couple of other different stories in there but from Luke who tells the same story says that this guy is a religious leader so what do we know about the rich young ruler he's rich he's young Luke calls him a religious leader so he is the perfect guy he's young he's got money he comes to he's a religious leader he comes to church he probably leads a Bible study at church. He probably gives at least 10%. And because he's got a bunch of money, that might be thousands upon thousands of dollars every year. So the church is happy with him because they get to buy more stuff with his money. and That's how people see this guy in town. And I can imagine 
What makes it look even better is his posture toward Jesus. If you notice, he says, someone came to Jesus with this question, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? It says in other gospels that he came up kneeling. Uh, almost uh, with some kind of with anxiety, like I, I recognize that I'm missing something and I need your help. How many of you could say that of yourself? You, everybody could acknowledge that? Okay. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? I think that's everybody's ultimate question. Human nature. What do I got to do? What do I got to do to get to heaven? What do I got to do to have eternal life? That's what he's asking. That's what we ask, whether we think about it or not. What do I have to do? He doesn't think to say, Jesus, what do you have to do? Or what have you done? But what do I got to do? Give me something I can do so I can make myself feel good and so I can justify what what I'm doing. Well, Jesus replies and says, why do you ask me about what is good? What do you think about? If Jesus asked you that, what do you, where'd your mind go? But then Jesus kind of, what I like to call Jesus jukes, jukes him a little more and says, there's only one who is good. Jesus says this for two reasons, I think. Jesus is saying only God is good. So because you called me good teacher, or because you asked me about what is good, are you asking me if I'm God? Which points to what Jesus was trying to prove to those people during that time, that He is God, He was God. He throws that little nugget in there. And He says, to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. If you notice... The man says, which one? Like, he almost says it in a way like, I got you. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're going to say. Which ones? Go ahead and, and throw them out there so I can make myself look good. Because I come to church. I, I'm one of the leaders at church. Jesus replied, and notice, how many of you know the Ten Commandments? This, this, if somebody on a Tuesday come up to you and said, what's the Ten Commandments? Halftime, I can't even tell you them all if that makes you feel any better. But I got them right here, so. Uh, What makes it easier is the first four are vertical commandments to God. And the last five through ten are horizontal commandments to, to man, to each other. That helps me remember them a little more. But if you notice, he says, Jesus replied, you must not murder which is commandment number six. You must not commit adultery, which is commandment number seven. You must not steal, which is commandment number eight. You must not testify falsely. Don't lie. That's number nine. And then he goes back and honor your father and mother. That's number five. So he goes six, seven, eight, nine, and then back to five. And then throws one in there that he says later, like, what are, you know, what are two greatest commandments? Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Love your neighbors yourself, he, which is not listed in that way. But you'll notice he only gives the rich young ruler the horizontal commandments. And we think we're good, right? And we realize we break the rules to each other. 
How many of you ever lied? How many of you ever stole something? How many of you ever disobeyed your mom and dad? Would you would you say you're pretty good? I'm not I'm not trying to do that to make you feel like to feel a certain way. I'm trying to point out to you that you need you need a savior. If you rely on you, it's only going to get you to one place. It's only going to get you so far. Jesus is trying to do that with this man. This man thinks, I got it all together. I'm young. I'm rich. I do what I'm supposed to do. Hence what he says in verse 20, I've obeyed all these commandments. I've done all this ever since I was young. I do all the things. Well, then Jesus told him. Because remember, he only gives him Five, six, seven, eight, nine. Well, guess what number 10 is? Do not covet. Which goes right along with love your neighbor as yourself. Don't covet your neighbor's stuff and don't covet things above God. Well, we haven't even got the commandments one through four which deal with God. And I don't know about y'all, but I done broke all five through 10. And we think we're pretty good. Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Jesus knew what the man's problem was and said what he said in such a way that if God told you that, if you could meet Jesus and Jesus was like Dr. Phil for example, and you went and you knew where he was going to be and you went up to him and you knew that he was going to give you the answer. But guess what happens? When you get the truth, what happens? It pisses you off, don't it? Before it sets you free, it pisses you off. Most of the time. What happens? Jesus tells him what he needs to hear. You got things in front of me that ain't supposed to be in front of me. You're holding on to stuff too tightly. You're holding on to bubbles. When the young man heard this, he went away sad, grieving, for he had many possessions. Jesus told him what he needed to hear. If you notice... If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. If you didn't have a problem with money, that wouldn't bother you too much, would it? If you didn't covet money, that wouldn't bother you. If you notice, Jesus never asks you to do anything He hasn't already done. He is a shepherd. Something I heard on the radio this morning, which I don't think was a coincidence. I'm driving over the bridge on the way here, and there's this preacher guy on the radio talking about sheep and shepherds and how a shepherd does not push his sheep like cowboys drive cattle. They don't get behind them and push them. They say a word that the sheep know, and they start walking, and the sheep follow them. If you want to be a leader, you got to 
do stuff. You got to be the first in, last out. People follow you. It's easier to pull people than it is to push them. Physically, it's easier to pull somebody than it is to push them. Because when you push somebody, if they get tired of you pushing them, all they got to do is roll to the left, to the right. But if you notice, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, right? Jesus here says, sell all your possessions. What did Jesus do? He came down from heaven. He gave up everything he had. And give money to the poor. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. He came for them. Jesus has already done what he's asking them to do. Only thing he's asking any of us to do is just trust him. Then Jesus, so the man goes away grieving, sad. The man is disturbed. I would bet to say that if Jesus has not pissed you off or disturbed you or disrupted you in some kind of way, then you might not have experienced the real Jesus. If you thought the only thing I got to do is add Jesus to my life and come to church and put on an appearance, you are missing out. And you need to be saved. If it bothers you when something gets brought up financially, materially, what if Jesus told you to give up your 401k? Does that bother you? What if Jesus told you to give up your son like he told Abraham? Does that bother you? Or your wife? I promise you, it is much more freeing when you put all your trust in Jesus because then it takes all the pressure off of you. It ain't up to you. I don't fear death because Jesus is taking the sting out of death. I don't fear death for my wife or my daughters because it ain't on me to take care of them in that way. That's God's responsibility. And only He can do that. So me trusting in Him is my safety and security. Do you realize that this life is just a speck of, of what we really are? If we put all our hope and faith and thoughts into this physical life here on earth, then when somebody dies, when something gets taken away, it impacts us in a great way because we've coveted that thing and not God. I don't know if you've ever seen the illustration. of uh, Plenty of preachers have done it, but they'll get a rope long as this room and put a little piece of red tape at the end of it. This is your life here on earth, and the rest of it is eternity. And you spend all your time and money and effort and relationships and abilities on this little part right here and never think about that you got eternity to spend with those people, with God, we don't talk about it. That's why this man went away sad and grieving because he put all his hope and his trust in his possessions. And he knew he couldn't let go of them. Only you know in your heart what that thing is, what that person is, whatever it is. And I promise you, 
the tighter you try to hold on to it, the worse it's going to get. Can y'all put up that picture I sent you? This picture, even though it's a little corny, is the best way to describe to you what I'm trying to describe to you. You got this thing that, that you can physically see and feel and you think that this is it. This is, this is all I got. But Lord, this is all I got. I've, I've been poor all my life and I've worked real hard and I finally got what I think I deserve and I don't want to let go of it. And the only thing He's asking you to do is trust Him. Then Jesus said to the disciples, I'll tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. In the past two services, Bobby said he didn't study this, and uh, I laughed because I did, and uh, that's not the point. Bobby stated the point, which was not eye of a needle. I've heard it preached two different ways. Have you ever heard it preached that the eye of a needle was a, a smaller gate through another gate and uh, that it was very hard for a camel to go through that small gate? Well, I did some research and looked up the Hebrew word. I can't pronounce the Hebrew word. It's R-A-S-F-H-I-R. Actually means needle. Eye of a needle. It don't have anything to do with a gate. Actually, the Pharisees used that term this listen. This just illustrates if you're holding on to stuff too tightly. They made that up because it, yes, it's physically hard for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. Let's say you have a wall castle and you have a gate and then you've got a small gate for messengers. Well, but physically you could still get the camel to get down on his knees and you could drag that sucker through that small gate. And you could still hold on to your stuff. There was still a way. Like we can still have Jesus and our stuff. That, that, that's not it. Forget that. You can't get a camel through it. You can't get a camel cigarette through the eye of a needle. Much less a, a, <laughs> much less a real camel. What Jesus is saying is impossible. The disciples thought about all this. I don't know if they had camel cigarettes back then, but they had camels. Who in the world can be saved then? How can we do it? Goes back to the first point. What do I got to do? Jesus tells them. He looks at them intently. He's serious because He loves them and He knows this is the only thing that's going to save you. Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Whatever, what are you holding on to too tightly? Only you know that. And I promise you, if you'll just have the faith to let go of it. Or maybe you can't. Maybe you can't. Maybe you don't know how to do that in your mind. I've had to pray before God, my heart is jacked up. I don't want to do what I know I need to do, so I need you to fix my heart. Please point that out to me. And when He does... 
If you pray that prayer, when he does, just have the faith and the courage to step out and know that that one thing is that one step he's asking you to take. And don't worry about all the rest of the other steps. Or don't worry about what you've done in your past because we just we did not even get to the first four commandments and we have realized that none of us are good. It's not about how good you are. It's about having faith in God because the only thing good and perfect is God. The only reason I do good is because of the goodness of God in me. And when you realize that, it takes all the pressure off of you and you will begin to truly enjoy why you're here and what you're here for. I say this every time and I can't help it. I don't plan, I didn't plan to be up here. I don't want necessarily want to be up here. This isn't something I, I don't like getting up in front of people and speaking. But something I love is knowing my weaknesses and knowing my abilities or my lack of abilities and praying right before I get up here and be like, all right, God, I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. I don't know how it's going to look and I don't all know what all I'm going to say, but I trust that you're going to be there. And then watching it happen, that makes my faith belief because I've experienced it. I pray that each and every one of you have an experience with God. And when you do, respond to it. That's all Jesus is saying to this rich young ruler, and he ain't willing to do it. Whatever you hold on to, kill it before it kills you. Galatians 5.24 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. That's all you got to do. If you don't know what that looks like, come ask me. I'm going to pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for, for it reminding me of what you can do. And uh, thank you for reminding me, dear Lord, that that we need a Savior, dear Lord, and that you came for each and every one of us. And it isn't about how much good we do or it isn't about if we think we're good enough. It's, you've already paid the price, dear Lord, and you've already done what was needed, dear Lord, to give us life, dear Lord. I pray that if there's anybody in this room that needs life, dear Lord, that they would just come and, and receive it. I pray that for the believers in here that have had that experience, dear Lord, and, and know you, dear Lord, but have, have just forgotten some things, dear Lord, that they would just lay them down, dear Lord, and, and start asking you again, what's it look like to crucify my passions and desires because I know they're going to lead me to death. Dear Lord, I thank you for just an opportunity just to come together and learn about you and worship you, dear Lord. Whatever we're holding on to tightly, dear Lord, help us to know that you have something for us that's going to satisfy and last far beyond this world. I love you. Amen.